Hello there, Matthew J. Elliott here, taking time out from doing British things like correcting people's grammar and... Well, that's it really, to congratulate you, the listener, for selecting the True Blue Riffcast. Yes, you could have picked any one of the thousands of Riff Tracks themed podcasts on the web, but your perspicacity led you to seek out the number one Riff Tracks podcast, and for that, you should be commended. Now I'm going to turn you over to your hosts, Dave and Jeremy, and I shall board a flight back to England without even so much as the boxed lunch I'd been promised. Thanks, Matthew J. Elliot. What? Matthew yeah. J. Elliot? Matthew J. Elliot. Yes, one half of Brit Tracks. I mean, he he recorded something for our podcast, the number one Rift Tracks podcast in the world, and we didn't even give him a complimentary lunch. Whose decision nope. was that? I think it was yours. Because uh, I would never that was do mine, that. 100%. I would never do that to Matthew J. Elliott. Thank you, Matt. Uh, yes. This is the True Blue Riffcast, of course, the number one Rift Tracks podcast in the world. I am Jeremy, and I uh, am fond of the new Fudge Brownie M&Ms. And with me, as always, is... <laughs> hey, it's me. I'm Dave. Uh, happy Halloween and happy election and welcome to hell. You're welcome, <laughs> America. We're doing oh, this yes. again. Oh man, but enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> we got we got other crap fests to talk about. Like Jacko. And and Werewolf in a Girls Dormitory by Matthew J. Elliott and Ian Potter. Yes, they're 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 not the crappy part of it. Don't worry. No, they're, they're definitely uh, not. They're they're most definitely what makes it tolerable. Yes. Uh, but before either of those, we're gonna talk about the Mandalorian. That's that's the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's the true blue Mandocast. Right here yes. on the True Blue Riffcast. We will be doing this yes. for every new episode of The Mandalorian. Just like we did last year. Yep. What was this one called? Uh, the Marshal. Oh, by the way, spoilers for for The Mandalorian Season 2. So, Jeremy, you went back and you watched Mandalorian Season 1. Yes, sir. I sure did. So tell us, tell us about that. The Mandalorian is about a Mandalorian. Uh, a Boba Fett. A Boba Fett, basically. Yes. A Boba Fett, yes. It's about a Boba Fett. And uh, this one's name is not Boba Fett, though. It's uh, Din Djarin, which you don't find out until the end of season one. But he is tasked by Werner Herzog (laughs) to go and uh, find somebody, this 50-year-old. And he finds it, and it's Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. This whole thing is basically a Boba Fett-Yoda team-up. Is what this whole series is. Yes. <laughs> the Boba Fett Yoda team up that we always dreamed we would get someday. Where Yoda's a baby. <laughs> and Boba Fett is just silver. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't have any rockets in his jetpack. He he steals Baby Yoda back from Werner Herzog. And uh, he goes on all these wacky adventures. And he crushes a demon guy in a door. Then he gets cornered by Moff Gideon who is the person who destroyed Mandalore. And then went and formed a a drug empire in the form of a a chicken fast food restaurant. Oh, no, wait, that's the wrong (laughs) series. 
Wrong show, Dave. Oh, no. I made a mistake. We're going to have to ditch this episode and record (laughs) all over again. Oh, no. But, yeah, so Mandalorian Season 2 picks up with uh, Mando and Baby Yoda flying through the galaxy. They're trying to find uh, the rest of the Yodas because he needs to deliver him back to his own kind. And uh, he goes to this uh, a fight between two of the pig monsters from Jabba's palace. And he gets ambushed. And, of course, he takes everybody out. And he's looking for information on where other Mandalorians might be. And this guy that he goes to meet there supposedly has that information. And he sends him to Tatooine. Because there's been sightings of a Mandalorian on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Huh? yeah. What? Huh? 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 And uh, <laughs> Bando does something pretty uh, pretty cold. Yeah. By uh, basically that, that, that got to be murdered guy. by all these creatures. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was pretty cold. But, yeah. you know, hey, you know what? I, but I believe. There is a uh, Rift Tracks connection to that guy that uh, Mando leaves tied up, who we, who we were just talking about there, Jeremy. Oh, really? The man who plays the voice of Gore Koresh, the Cyclops man, who the Mandalorian leaves hanging upside down to get murdered, is none other than John Leguizamo. Oh! <laughs> John Leguizamo, of course... Daisy! <laughs> Luigi! Uh, yes. Of, um, but even before, I mean, uh, John Leguizamo has been in Rift Tracks before. He, of course, was in um, The Happening. Yep. I think that might be the only, the, I think that might be the only two appearances of John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, but, um, yeah, so there's that. Daisy, Luigi, and so on. Anyway, continue with your recap of the Marshall. Uh, Din Jaren goes back to Tatooine, where we run into Dave's favorite character. God, uh, a- played by Amy, Amy Sedaris. Sedaris. Dude, she's the worst. She's the worst. <laughs> she was the worst part of season one when they went back to Tatooine. I was like, well, at least they're not going back to Mos Eisley. We don't have to deal with Amy. Sed- oh no, there they are, right off the bat. She's the worst actress. I know like like I have a very close friend who loved Amy Sedaris in in the in in the worst episode of season one. The worst actress in season one. I can't stress this enough how much I hate her character in this. He gets information from her about uh Moss Pelgo, which was a uh, mining uh colony, and he goes there. And he meets the town's marshal, Cobb Vant, uh, <laughs> who's wearing Boba Fett's armor. And he does not. He does not wear it well, <laughs> like at all. He looks like uh, a kid whose mom made him put on extra layers underneath his Boba Fett costume for trick or treating. It looks like he's larping, basically. <laughs> but uh, I made it myself. But anyway, so the big reveal. Um, that uh, this guy has Boba Fett's armor. So uh, for a good part of the episode, we know that at least Boba Fett's armor made it out of the Sarlacc pit from Return of the Jedi. Yes. Uh, And there is actually uh, a mention of 
the Sarlax a little bit later in the episode. They're they're trying to kill a uh, crate dragon, uh, which is a, basically it's a big tremor. But they they find where it's where its den is, and oh hey, it's an abandoned uh, Sarlacc pit. And they're like, wait a second, I've never seen an abandoned Sarlacc pit. And they're just like, yeah, it it's abandoned if you eat the Sarlacc. Yeah. Well, it's not exactly abandoned as it is uh, the person who lived in it got murdered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they they team up with the Tusken Raiders and the uh, people of the village who, of course, don't want to team up with the Tusken Raiders because they raid their village for supplies. Well, that's not, you know, I mean, come on, give them a little bit of a break. They end up being convinced by uh, Din and Cobb. Mm-hmm. They plant some explosives to try and get it like over the explosives and blow it up. And that doesn't work. So Mando uh, grabs a Bantha that has a bunch of explosives strapped to it and gets eaten. Yeah. And then he he shocks his way out. Yeah, it's weird. And then blows up the Bantha and... Yeah, they killed the thing. And and why why did the Tusken Raiders want it, Dave? Okay, do you remember last season, the episode with the Jawas, where um, <laughs> the Mandalorian had to go find an egg and give it to the Jawas? They're like, oh, great, we have this egg, and they just wanted to, like, eat it? This is kind of the same thing, where they bring out, like, this crystal orb, and be like, hey, we have this crystal orb. I don't know why... The, the sand people wanted this thing, but they made a big deal of being like, oh, yeah, we have it. Right. But do you know, it, do you know it also, it kind of reminds me of, do you, you, you remember at the end of the Phantom Menace where they have that big Jar Jar Binks parade? <laughs> yes. And they, um, and they, um, uh, Natalie Portman gave Boss Nass this, um, thing uh, maybe it kind of looks like that a little bit yeah it was kind of similar yeah but it oh and also Boba Fett's alive yeah the the very last shot you get is after uh, the marshal relinquishes the armor to Mando for helping him defeat the dragon the crate dragon uh, and Mando's driving off across the desert uh, we see a figure and he turns around, and it's Boba Fett. It's the, it's the actor who played Jango Fett. And I kind of yeah. like, I was like, is that Boba Fett? And he does have, like, the big, long staff that he had in the halt in the Star Wars Holiday Special. So I was like, huh, maybe. I'll have to go see if that's the same actor who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. And it was, so, you know. But the thing is, it, it's kind of weird because... You don't automatically know, like, if you're not a big prequels fan, you're not going to automatically know that that was the actor that played Django Fat. You're going to have to go back and check like I did. So, could have been handled better, but um, yeah. but Boba Fett's alive, so good for him. Which, like, is something that, like, you know, Star Wars fans have all kind of believed anyway. Oh, here, one of the things, <laughs> I just remembered something uh, kind of funny. Um, to uh, get Cobb, whatever, Cobb Vance out of the way, 
Mando just kind of like smacks the uh, Boba Fett <laughs> rocket, and it just kind of like malfunctions the way it does in Return of the Jedi. And it's like, bah! right? So like that was yeah. just like a, he just kind of goes flying off. Yeah, and it's just like that same kind of like flail. The other little interesting thing that we got to see in this episode was uh, the rocket on the jetpack being fired twice. Yeah, the um, rocket firing Boba Fett. That's like a very famous function of. I mean, we 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 didn't see him use it in um, Star Wars Holiday Special. We didn't get to see him use it in either Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. And everyone was like, huh, I wonder what I wonder what that's about. Um, and also, famously, the um, uh, famous Star Wars toy, the collectible. You know what I'm talking about? Rocket firing <laughs> Boba yeah. Fett is that? Um, yeah, never made it like the original Boba Fett action figure was originally supposed to have a functioning um, rocket firing mechanism. But the legend goes is that some people had safety concerns that kids could choke on it. That it was a choking hazard, so it never made it to market. Yep. So uh, yeah, that was that was a big thing around that time um, because a lot of the toys used to have these little spring loaded rockets that would shoot out. You know, Transformers had them and GI Joe had them, and then they stopped doing that because. You know, they're like, oh, kids are dumb and they're going to try and eat these and die. So we got to make it so they don't do that anymore. I really don't think kids choke to death on, on, on stuff like that. I think it's just like people thinking that they might. Hot take. I know. I know you don't usually get <laughs> hot takes from me. <laughs> I'm usually pretty reserved in what I think. <laughs> but, you know, hot take. Anyway, uh, so what do you think? What'd you think of the Marshall? I thought it was a pretty solid start to season two. You know, I was kind of surprised um, that we didn't get a lot of, a ton of baby Yoda cuteness in this one. Seeing that baby Yoda is kind of like the driving force of the Mandalorian. In fact, I posed this question on Facebook about a week ago. Is that how soon, I mean, notice, no, notably how, um, Star Wars fans, uh, how much Star Wars fans hate Star Wars. Um, <laughs> being how everyone, especially anything cutesy in Star yeah, Wars, yeah. Um, meaning how everyone started off loving the sequel sequel trilogy, and by the end, every you know they all hated it. Um, <laughs> and we won't we won't really get into that. But I was like, how soon until people turn on? on baby Yoda. And, um, I was like, it might be with this episode if they overdo the cute cuteness thing, but they really only had like one instance of like, of like big baby Yoda cuteness. And it was at the very beginning. It was with, um, John Leguizamo. Do you know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah. When he saw that, uh, Din was arming the little, uh, the little rockets in yep. his wrist and he quick closed. Yeah, he, he like closed his, um, his cradle thing. Yeah. So like that was it. And that was great, but they didn't really use him for the rest of the episode. He kind of like go to Amy Sedaris and be like, Hey, do you want to watch my kid? And she says, no. And I'm like, good. Um, <laughs> be, like, you know, people think Rose, is he climbs the- into a spittoon. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, 
that was more gross. It's than not you. as it's, <laughs> it's it's not as good as you know hitting the button on the pram and being like, oh, I'm out, you know. But um, <laughs> but let me ask you this: How soon until Star Wars fans start to hate the Mandalorian because of Baby Yoda? Because I think it's probably going to happen halfway eventually. Through, halfway through this season. Halfway through the season, you think? Yep. Yep. Do you think this thing gets urkled? And by that I mean is that, ladies and gentlemen, there used to be this. I was just going to bring that up. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. There was this show on ABC on TGIF, uh, the TGIF <laughs> lineup called Family Matters, and in two, it was supposed to be about um, the Winslows. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of the name. The uh, Die Hard, we'll call him. Uh, supposed to be um, <laughs> the cop from Die Hard moves to Chicago. And to be like, I'm gonna have a wife and a family. I'm gonna marry some. I'm gonna marry some minor character from uh, cousin Balky, and it's yep. um, it's gonna be a show. It's gonna be like a blue collar uh, Cosby show, like they said on Key and Peele. And uh, what what had happened was is that they they created this character named Steve Urkel, who has a crush on Laura, the daughter, one of the yeah, daughters. One of the, yeah. <laughs> One of the daughters got written out. Family Matters had a daughter, like in like season two or three, they had like a younger daughter, but they just like wrote her out and never brought her up again. And I guess like in later seasons, they were like, oh, we've never had another daughter. It was, it was the, the, uh, what was it? Who, who was the, the other character in, uh, Happy Days that they did that to? Um, the, the, the same the, thing. The, he went upstairs. The, the older brother, returned. yeah. He went up, went upstairs and never came back after season one. But anyway, Steve Urkel yeah. basically came and like took over the show and became like this huge pop culture thing. Like Urkel was just like it in American pop culture in the early 90s, late, late 80s, early 90s. I mean, there were Urkel. He ended up becoming the main character of the show. Yes. So I think kind of, it's not exactly the same in the show itself because Baby Yoda was there from the show's inception and was like written into the DNA of the show. But what I think kind of like where the Urkel factor comes in with Baby Yoda Listen to me. These are sentences that I'm saying. (laughs) Where the the Urkel factor comes in to the Baby Yoda show is that at Walmart, there are Baby Yoda t-shirts the way that there were Urkel t-shirts. And Urkel everything. And there's Baby Yoda cereal. Yeah. And there's Baby Yoda toys and Baby Yoda every yeah everything. So it's everywhere. It, it, it's all about Baby Yoda. And I'll admit, I, I mean, like we talked about this on the podcast last year, Jeremy. Remember when at the end of the first yep. episode and the Taika Waititi bot got uh, got killed? We were like, the last thing I was expecting to come out of that out of that thing was a was going to be a Baby Yoda, and I was just like. That's brilliant. And then, you know, then just like baby Yoda fever took over America. <laughs> is that like Pac-Man fever? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Pac-Man fever. So like baby Yoda is just like, was like it, you know, they, they were referencing baby Yoda at the uh, golden globes, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, but anyway, so like, that's kind of where the Urkel factor comes in. 
where this show is what the driving force to bring people behind it is not so much uh boba fett where a boba fett you know like the the legacy of boba fett is but um yeah rather it's about the cute baby yoda man <laughs> oh man so and i think people are gonna get i think star wars fans are gonna be like oh, i'm tired of this yeah they've never taken kindly to cute characters you know uh or characters that were intended to be cute to drive to pull in you know children and and whatnot like uh the ewoks, like the ewoks. i never and- understood that I, I I I never understood the hatred for the Ewoks, but then again, I was f- like three years old when that movie came out. Yeah, <laughs> the Ewoks are vicious little bastards. Yeah, they are, and they were gonna they were going to uh, kill and eat Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Yeah, they were going to murder. Is that actually that cutesy? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they were just they're 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 bloodthirsty little bastards. <laughs> So that's our review of Mandalorian season two, episode one. Yeah. <laughs> probably going to try to take uh, half, I, half of the true blue riff cast. Well, how about we start talking about some riff tracks? Yeah, so now, let's Dave. do that. What do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Jack or do you uh, want to talk about werewolf? Let's talk about werewolf in a girl's dormitory. Werewolf in a girl's dormitory. Riff tracks presents uh, from. Matthew J. Elliott and Ian Potter. Thank you so much, you again. Thank you so much, you again, Matthew, for your great intro. We love you. You know that. Yes. Yes. Uh, this movie is weird. Yeah. But not like in like a psychotronic man weird. It's just, it's something about it is, is just off the whole time. And I know it stems from the weird theme song that they put on the American version of this movie. Like it's this like go, go music. Like, yeah, Oh, we're going to have a fun beach party. Yeah, it, it, It's very much, it's very much like, um, there was another riff tracks that was released in the year 2011, almost a decade ago now called the devil's hand, uh, where it starts off like almost the exact same way where you have like this beach music thing. And the whole thing is about satanic sacrifice and the satanic, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the satanic voodoo cult. And it starts off with yeah. just like Bano Wano Wano Wow. You know, like like okay, look, excuse me, but this is not zombie aka I eat your skin. This is not a a happy <laughs> romp comedy. Okay. This is oh, werewolf man. in a girl's dormitory. Uh yeah. So this movie starts out with uh our our main character. He's a disgraced doctor. Is he the main character? Well, I think he's supposed to be the main character. See, I don't know. He's about at least that. one of the main <laughs> characters. I don't even know his name. Do you remember his name? <laughs> Doctor Alcott. Doc- oh, oh, really? Okay. Um, like any, yeah. like any really black and white uh, movie that um, Matthew J and Ian do, where I can't remember, where they have like this just generic bland man. I'll just I just go back to King of Kong Island where they made this great joke about calling him like the guy's the hero's name is Bert. So uh, I'm just going to call <laughs> that guy Bert. He's the Bert of Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory. Uh, it starts with him showing up at this uh, reformatory. OK, we got to get this yeah, out of oh the way. God. This is not a girl's dormitory. 
Okay, you hear girls' dormitory, and you're like, you say oh, college, college, yeah. college girls. No, this is a reform school yeah. for troubled girls. Tr- they're supposed to be teenagers, girls. but they're like yeah. in their late twenties. Yeah. Oh, at the earliest, at the very earliest, these all these girls are at least yeah. twenty nine. You know, and I even think that that's like, you know, as I get a little bit older, to me, people in their 20s look like teenagers. So to me, like these women are like in their 30s, you know? Yeah. Anyway, one of the girls sneaks out and she's like having an affair with one of the teachers. Which is super weird. And she gets murdered. And all we see is like a furry hand and like an eyeball. Yeah, it's not even a werewolf. It's just a person that attacks her. It's just it's 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 just a just a dude running without his costume on. It's like, bro, you forgot <laughs> you forgot your werewolf costume. Here, werewolf in a girl's dormitory that is addressed by Matthew yeah. and Ian when they're be like, look, be like they're outside the girl's dormitory. This is werewolf in a girl's <laughs> dormitory. So slow your roll. Yeah, uh, but then it is also kind of, uh, I, I guess addressed by the film itself because uh it's this is more about the classic version of a lycanthrope than it is a werewolf where it's just a guy who gets a little fuzzy and instead of actually like mutating completely don't 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 give this movie any credit it doesn't deserve it (laughs) what are you doing you're going to encourage other movies that this kind of thing is okay. It's not okay. <laughs> this is not normal. <sighs> so this movie turns out to be more of a uh, a whodunit murder mystery yeah. than an actual like horror movie about a werewolf killing people. And it's it's really weird yeah. because. It's it's an Italian film. Oh, 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 what a surprise. What a shock. This came from Italy. <laughs> Made for German audiences, which is why most of the people have German surnames. And then uh, dubbed into English. Okay. Maybe. All right. Okay. I I have a theory about this, if you'll indulge me. Of course. In previous episodes, we've talked about... Um, this phenomenon that we have recently named, I think in the last, it has to have been this year where, where, where we, uh, maybe in the last few months where we, where we gave a yeah, name. It was, it was one of the more recent episodes where we gave a name, where we gave a name to this phenomenon and we call it uh, the ghost house effect. Now the ghost house effect is where um, you take a script that's written in English uh, and you cast for the most part, American actors maybe throw in a, um, a foreign girlfriend in there for spice, like they do in Ghost House. I'm just thinking of Ghost House because I, I happen to <laughs> love Ghost I House is great. Ghost House, um, but um, so it's an English script, English speaking actors, um, and it's shot in America. But it's edited and dubbed in such a way to where it looks like it was written and performed in a foreign language and dubbed into English. Okay? So that's the ghost house effect. Now, how, how it affects this 
particular movie is that the dub on this this movie is is extremely bad, like in the extreme. Like I know we oh, it is that a terrible. Lot. I know I'm pretty sure we've said this is the worst dub I've ever seen on Rift Tracks. I don't know how anything can beat how bad this dub is. Um, because yes. like as of now, this is this is the worst yeah, dub yeah, that they've absolutely, had. Absolutely, like forget when I say this is the worst dub we've ever seen. This is ten times worse than I mean, I'm being dead serious. Ten times worse than any other dub we've seen before. Even even in like Attack of the Super Monsters. Okay. It beats that. Oh yeah. Whoa. As far as dubs go. <laughs> um Woo! because now that's like, a hot like, take. You can hear you can hear Matthew and Ian reacting to the dub and all they're doing is just like laughing or groaning at the dub because it's so yeah uh, it's it's terrible terrible um because the what they're saying doesn't match what what they're uh what what they're saying at all except for one guy the werewolf the guy who ends up being the werewolf I call him the headmaster, but they call him something different in the movie. He's the director. Okay, yeah, the director of the reformatory of all these women in their 30s. Um, yes. His lines dub up perfectly. Like, and his, 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 his lip movements are in perfect English. Right? It's just like, it, it yes. matches up to the, the, the dub matches up to him perfectly, but no one else. On everyone else, it's atrocious. Um, so, um, Jeremy and I talked about this, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that we recorded a previous conversation about this, uh, about this riff (laughs) earlier and we're having to talk about it again because somebody's microphone was messed up. It wasn't mine at all, but, um, (laughs) Jeremy and I have recently spoken about this. (laughs) Welcome back from the edit again. (laughs) Jeremy and I have talked about it, and um, we like theorized, or I had a theory within a theory about this actor maybe having some like sway with like the studio being like, no, I'm yeah. not re-recording any of my lines. I think that there was probably like a massive rewrite on um, Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory. Um, to the fact that it's just like, well, well, this isn't working. Uh, we're not, we can't reshoot everything, but we can rewrite all the dialogue. (laughs) But like this one guy, either like all his lines or like a lot of his lines matched the new story perfectly, or they just couldn't get the actor again, but they could just dub him over. I don't know, dude. It makes no sense. He was like the most famous actor out of anybody in this movie, I mean, oh, well, that's looking hard. through his credits, he's got he's got uh, let's see, 132 acting credits. And are some of them riff tracks? Uh, I yes, he was also in Missile X, the neutron bomb incident. Oh, that's right, we talked about this as well. I should point out because uh, I know many of our listeners are also familiar with Incognito Cinema Warriors XP. Uh, this this movie was uh, featured, um, I believe, as an IRIF. Um, I'll have to double check my notes on that one. Um, but now Matthew and Ian have done it, so you know they, you know, you can do both. Why not? Get different takes on the same thing. Yeah, I believe we had a very in depth discussion about that with uh, Mary Jo Peel a little while back. Did we? 
about different takes on the same different takes oh, on the same film. Right. That is correct. Yes, you know, I remember most about uh, uh, that that conversation with uh, Mary Jo Peel is that you and her ganging up on me. You <laughs> uh, he's just kidding. He loves you, Mary Jo. I do. I love you. Oh wait. Oh man. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, now we're going to talk about the latest from Rift Tracks, the last uh, theatrically broadcast Rift Tracks, actually. Uh, Jack O. Too bad neither one of us saw it. But we didn't have to wait very long. It was only a week and a half, and then we got it on VOD. And I am so glad we got this movie on VOD because, oh my God, it is bad. All right, so let's start at the very beginning. So Jacko starts off with this little kid (laughs) and uh, this creepy, creepy middle-aged man telling him the story. No, it's not way creepier, way creepier. I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) And he's, uh, he's telling the kid the story of pumpkin Jack. And he gives him like this nursery rhyme. Mr. Jack will break your back. Cut off your head with a whack, whack, whack. The pumpkin man will steal your soul. Snap it up and swallow it whole. Then just as quick before you die, the pumpkin man will steal your eyes. That's a terrible rhyme. Yeah, and he's like, there's a... There, there's like, a story behind that nursery rhyme, kid. You want to hear it? Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the kid's like, oh, yeah, I do want to hear it. <laughs> and then we get the, the backstory of who Jacko is. A talking uh, cat? There was a, there was a wizard. <laughs> and the, the people in the village killed the wizard. Uh. But before that, he summoned the pumpkin-headed demon, Mr. Jack, uh, to get revenge on the people who killed him. <laughs> and uh, But he couldn't kill anybody because uh, the main character's ancestor took him down. What? And Yeah, he like they buried him, and they put a cross over the grave, and that's what stopped him from coming back and killing people. And so, of course, some some teenagers, some teenagers knock the cross down and they wake up Mr. Jack and he starts trying to kill the people again. And yeah, this this movie. okay, the the original cut, there is boobage in this film, because, of course, there is. It's a it's a it's a low budget slasher flick from the early 90s. You know, so it's got to have boobs in it. (laughs) They did remove those for the riff. And in in doing um, so. Jack Frost, right? Yes, just like a Jack Frost. Yes, another Jack. Uh, And in doing so, they ended up turning this into the most kid-friendly R-rated horror film ever. (laughs) Tell us about the kills. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Mr. Jack has uh, a big scythe, and he yeah. he kills people with it. He he cuts the throat of a few people, 
And it's very reminiscent of the throat cutting in another riff, uh, The Last Slumber Party. <laughs> Meaning that it looks terrible and fake as all get out. Uh, sorry, I just got very happy thinking about The Last Slumber Party. <laughs> as everyone should. Uh, but anyway, you know, the kid turns out the kid's the only one who can stop it because he's the fifth in the, in the line. So it's really dumb and it's really just, it's really bad. It's got a terrible script, bad acting, everything, everything that you want in a, in a riff. But this movie also has, uh, John Carradine. Really? And wait, John Carradine is in this movie. Yeah, and Cameron Mitchell. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's like they're both of their final movies before they died. Hmm. How'd you like that as your last ever acting credit, Jacko? <laughs> Jacko. But this this movie gives a uh, a special connection uh, to Dave and I. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that, and the fact that the producer of this film. Is one Fred Olin Ray. Well, who is that? He directs a lot of movies. Uh, he used to direct a lot of sleazy movies, and then he kind of transitioned into family films, and now he does a lot of stuff for Hallmark Channel. Oh, no. And he made a movie that has a character in it by the name of John Schemer. No! <laughs> Wait. No! He is the director no of Dinosaur way. Island, Dave. Are you kidding me? No. I knew that name looked familiar, so I, I, I dug around in his credits, and yeah, Dinosaur Island. Uh, dinosaur, okay. <laughs> we need to explain what Dinosaur Island is. Dinosaur uh, Island, like what was, I, w- I would say, probably about 2017 or thereabouts, right? Was uh, yeah, somewhere around, around the, there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Jeremy and I started getting together on on Messenger, and we're like, "Hey, look at this weird movie I just found." Like that's how that's how Jeremy and I kind of started to be uh, real good friends, and yep. uh, we would watch these movies together on YouTube. And many times we would like sync up, right? Uh, I think this was one of those times where um, Dinosaur Island. I found this. It's 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 about these army soldiers, but they don't act like like they're like the, they're they're like the misfits, right? We're the misfits yeah. of the army. <laughs> and uh, they get stranded somehow. It's been a long time, but they somehow get stranded on this island that's called Dinosaur <laughs> Island. But it's really like a, this this like um, babe cult where like the, the the whole point of it is boobs, right? I mean, that's really is the whole whole point of of Dinosaur Island. And there's there's this one guy named Schemer who is just like, <laughs> um. He would be repulsive to the volleyball players in uh, Spiker. That's how repulsive <laughs> this schemer guy is. Like, he's just, like, the most awful... Ugh. Like, you would not want to be around this guy. 
And I, I, no. I, tell, I mean, like we, like we kind of were talking to each other. It's like, I don't think this actor is acting. I think this is probably the way that this actor behaves <laughs> in real life. It'd be like, I, I think he like, he was saying things like, well, what a coinky dink or just like some generic, like, um, uh, that's like an insult. Like he would just use like he's really bad. It was so terrible. It's it's it's, it's bad. I mean, like I wish there was there's some like oh no, I know what it was. He said something or akin to hey, I resemble that remark, and you're just like oh god, <laughs> that was in a movie. But anyway, the whole point of they uh, it's kind of like Frankenstein's Island where it's um. They find a uh, a faraway land of uh, leopard skin uh, leopard skin clad girls who, but in this movie they actually uh, take it off and get their tits out, right? And yeah. they all like get deflowered um, <laughs> by these soldiers. And there's one scene in it. <laughs> <laughs> where I think they're in a hot tub or a hot spring or something. And one of yeah. the leopard skin girls has, uh, one of the dinosaur girls has like red, like a Cosmo or something. And that'd be like, you know how like in the nineties, like Cosmo would have like on the cover, like turn to turn to page 34 to uh, narrow how to really pleasure your man or some garbage. Right, so she read one of these magazines. I don't know why they had a women's magazine with them, but whatever. So yeah. um, anyway, so he and like one of the dorkiest ones on there, and the girl's like, "I read, I read page thirty-four. <laughs> Welcome back from the edit, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Teach she me is, page thirty-four. Yes, yes. She um, obviously is uh. performing a. Uh, sexual activity figure it out and uh while this is going on the dork is just like moaning page 34 page 34 <laughs> and like ecstasy it's it's like so bad most, it, it's so bad it's it's awful. one of the most riff heinous tracks, things i've ever seen riff tracks do not do this do not riff dinosaur island i'm pretty sure that they are aware of its <sighs> existence because oh, yeah. it's like one of those it's it, it it's on one of those uh, uh uh lists of like famously bad movies but it i i, I would dare say that um dinosaur island is akin to the amazing bulk and the fact that like uh, i don't want riff tracks to do it you know yeah i I, I i don't it's that bad yeah, I honestly, I gotta say, Jacko is better. <laughs> Jacko is better than Dinosaur Island. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jacko is definitely better than Dinosaur Island. It's still terrible, and but but ske- so uh, so what you're saying is Schemer produced this thing. No, 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 no. Oh God, no. Or the guy who directed it was the producer of Jacko. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Dinosaur. Dinosaur Island. Yeah, well, you got me. You got me going off on a big, long tangent. <laughs> I knew this, you were going to enjoy that little tidbit, Dave. About this horrible... One of the, it might be one of the worst movies I've, I, I, I've ever seen, Dinosaur Island. 
don't check so it bad. out. Do no. not watch Dinosaur Island. It's painful to watch, guys. Yeah. It's uh it's deep hurting. It's real deep hurting. But do watch Jacko at rifttracks.com. The guys uh, this this should set the scene, set the tone for this whole riff. Right away, Mike is already completely frustrated with the movie. Within the first two <laughs> minutes of the film, Mike is already done. Isn't there? There's a. Uh, there's a, um. That re- that reminds me of another riff tracks, uh, where um, there's a character named Malachi in uh, a riff called "Prisoners of the Lost Universe," circa 2012, I believe. It's either 2011 or 2012. I want to say 2012, uh, where Malachi comes on and he's just like this repulsive little dude with a uh, with, with a goatee. Who ends up being in he the, the actor re, uh, doesn't replies the role, but he shows up in I think either uh, there were two fantasy there there were two fantasy riffs in 2014. I want to say it was um, Hawk the Slayer and another one uh, that, Sword and the Sorcerer. Yeah, Sword and the Sorcerer. He's in one of those as well, but. Um, Kevin, as soon as Malachi comes on screen, Kevin goes, "Oh, for hell's sake!" Or like they bleep it out, "Oh, for bleep's sake!" Yeah, it's like it's guys, Hawk the Slayer. Yeah. Oh, it is Hawk the Slayer. Okay. He's like, yep. guys, this guy's been on screen for point uh, eight five seconds, and I already hate him with the heat of a thousand suns. I've got nowhere to go. Is that kind of <laughs> like what Mike is like? Yes, it's he's already just had it with this kid. <laughs> That's funny. And they're they're like, calm down. We still have a lot of movie to get through. It's only been the first couple of minutes. Ah, <laughs> uh, so just yeah. like, uh, uh, so if we could go back in time and uh, be like, okay, look, twenty twenty. If you think in January you have it bad, <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of year to get through. Yeah, it's just like that. It's it's the same kind of feeling. Like, oh God, here we go. It's already starting on a high note. Would you say that it's riff of the year material? Would you say would would you put this on the same level as say suburban Sasquatch or Lichen Colony? Uh I I'd say it's slightly the movie itself is slightly better than either of those, so that kind of puts the riff itself at a little bit of a lower level for me. Ah. It's it's pretty good. Like I can see this being a, a classic for years to come. Like people are going to watch this one yearly around Halloween. Yeah, like a like, like a solid Halloween entry, like Rock and Roll yes. Nightmare. Yes, it it belongs with Rock and Roll Nightmare okay. for sure. I will accept that. I will accept that answer. It is acceptable. You are acceptable in this this episode of the <laughs> True Blue Riff Mando Cast. And if you like the True Blue Riff Mando cast, you can uh, head on over to patreon.com slash True Blue Riff cast and you can support us for just a couple dollars a month. And you'll get access to wonderful little bloopers and uh, ringtones like the one from this episode that I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to go and find out. It was very good and off the cuff from Dave. And like you're, always, you're, gonna, you're, you're going welcome. to enjoy it. Uh, but also, you know, we post about what's coming up. Uh, our intro from Matthew J. Elliott that we got 
was posted first to our patrons. We do uh, mini-sodes, uh, short reviews of Rift Track shorts, and those get posted first for the patrons. They get them a couple days earlier than the rest of everybody else. Patreon.com slash TrueBlueRiftCast. And I am Jeremy. You can find me at PBandAwesome.com. You can send me emails, Jeremy at TrueBlueRiftCast. You can find me on Twitter at PB and Awesome, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at TB Riffcast. And I'm Dave, aka Sugar Ray Dodge. Check me out on the web at sugarraydodge.com. Send me emails at Dave at TrueBlueRiffcast.com. And we will see you guys next time right here on the True Blue Riffcast. Rock till you die. Thank you, Matthew. Oh